Hello, we're going to be today continuing on with our book study of Genesis. And today we're with chapter 17. So we've covered the first 16 chapters already. So we'll be going uh, ch uh, chapter 17, starting with verse 1, if you're ready. And it says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So we see here that Abram is uh, 99 years old and he's still going by the name of Abram. Uh, later in this chapter, the Lord's going to change his name to Abraham. And that's coming up pretty soon here. So he, he's not a young man and he has not received the son of promise yet. So uh, that's got to be difficult for as much as Abraham is the father of the faithful and all that, uh, he's still a person. It's got to be probably very difficult for him being 99 years old and Sarai being 90 years old, and they're supposed to have descendants. And he's probably thinking, well, we've, we're now too old, but we should never let our faith down when it comes to the Lord. The Lord will fulfill what he says he's going to do. And we're going to see that's going to happen here. And so the Lord, it says he appeared to Abram. And that's got to be an amazing thing to happen. And he says, I am the Almighty God. Uh, in Hebrew, the Almighty God is it's pronounced El Shaddai. You've probably all heard of the name uh, El Shaddai. There was a, there was a gospel song uh, back in, I think it was in the 90s, called El Shaddai. Is a very good song. You can look it up probably on YouTube. And El Shaddai just means exactly what it says here. Uh, the Almighty God, Almighty God, or the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient one. God is just telling Abram. He is saying, look, I am all that you need. You don't need anyone else. You don't need anything else. I can supply all of your needs. And not only that, I said that you're going to have children and you're going to have children. Do you believe God when what he has said? When you read something in his word, a promise out of his word, do you believe God that he will fulfill that promise? Well, he will do it. God will always keep his promise. God does not lie. And that's something we need to keep in mind when we read the scripture, is that God does not lie. And what he says is going to be, is going to be. He has never lied. Otherwise, if God could lie, he is not God. And therefore, he cannot lie. But he goes on and he tells Abram to be perfect. And the word perfect here, just means complete or whole, entire, unimpaired. Uh, it also means to have integrity. A good definition of, of integrity is the state of being whole or undivided. Uh, he doesn't want Abram to have a divided mind. Uh, if you look over in the study on, on James, it talks about uh, being a divided mind or being a wishy-washy person, being someone that is doesn't have, a, not being double-minded, that's the phrase I want to use, talks about not being double-minded, not having your mind divided one place and somewhere else. The Lord wants all of Abram. He wants 100% of him. He wants 100% of his faith. He doesn't want him, 
Abram to put all his faith somewhere else. And I know it's hard for Abram to trust the Lord that he is going to have children at 99 years old. Even in Abram's day, that was past birthing years for the man and the woman. But God said it's going to be. And we need to put our faith in him. And so, um, have you put your faith in the Lord today? Fully trusting him, what he said he's going to do, he's going to do. Well, just trust him and watch and see. He's, the Lord says, try me now if I will not pour yet a blessing. He says, um, I'll send you a blessing pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give us a blessing that's just running over. More than, more than enough, exceedingly more than enough. He wants to give it to us, just abounding. And the Lord will do that for us. And verse 2 says, And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. So the Lord's saying that he's already promising things. Now what he's doing, he's instituting the covenant today. He's putting the covenant into effect today, which we're going to see when we get a little bit further down. He's instituting the covenant with Abram and with his descendants. But he's reminding uh, Abram again, he says, look, he says, and will multiply thee exceedingly. You know, God, he's starting to remind Abram of the promise that he has given to him. And it could be that maybe Abram was struggling a bit with his faith about whether he was going to have descendants. I, I could understand if his faith was... was uh, wavering a little bit because he was not a young man but still God said it would be and what will be will be when it comes to God and verse 3 says and Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying so we see Abram fell on his face worshiping before the Lord God already said that I am the almighty God I am El Shaddai I am the almighty God I am everything to you, all you need. So it's no wonder that Abram is falling on his face and worshiping him. And the Lord just told him, I'm going to multiply thee exceedingly. What a reason to worship. I I tell you, if we were there, I hope to believe that we would be on our face worshiping also. Wouldn't it be something to be in a place where the presence of God is so mightily felt that all you could do is just be on your face before the Lord. I've been in places like that. I've been in church services like that where all, just the presence of the God of God was everywhere. It's kind of like Isaiah over in chapter 6. He said, and, and his train, talking about God, his train filled the temple. In other words, God was everywhere in the temple. And isn't that the way we want now? We want to be in the presence of God where we just feel him everywhere we go. You know, we are told to walk in the Spirit. And we don't ever have to be without God. He can go with us everywhere we go. He wants to be with us. And we will walk in the Spirit. He will be with us at all times. And I tell you, I feel the presence of the Lord with me at all times. I, I really believe he's with me. And I'm so happy that he is. Verse 4 says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. The Lord says this statement. He says, As for me, he says, 
you know, at least I'm speaking for myself, that I have made my covenant and I will keep my covenant. God will never fail on his covenants. You know, we might fail our covenants, but God will never fail his covenant. He will always keep it. He won't make a covenant if he, covenant if he can't keep it. He, said, he says, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many. You notice he's repeating himself to Abram. He is repeating himself and saying that you are going to be a father of nations. He, he wants Abram to believe him. He wants him to have his faith in him. If he sees that Abram is struggling a little bit, he wants Abram's faith to be built up so he can understand God is going to keep his covenant, keep his promise. And then he keeps on here in verse 5. He says, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And so Abram means, I'm going to roll down here so I don't get it wrong. Abraham, uh, Abram means exalted father. And Abraham now means father of a multitude. So isn't that wonderful? So not only is God telling Abraham that I'm going to make many nations from you, but he changes his name so that every time he speaks his name or thinks of his name, he will be remembering the promise that God gave to him that you will be a father of a multitude. Every time he thinks about it, there it is. God just reminding him. You don't have to worry. I don't care how old you are. I said you will have children, so you will have children. God is able to do that. all he says he will do and abundantly more than we think he can do. If he says there's going to be children in an elderly man's life, there is going to be children. And I will say, uh, Abram still has a long time to live yet. So um, let's keep moving. So he's changed now the name of Abram to Abraham. I'm glad because I like the name Abraham better. And verse 6 says, And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Notice again in this verse here that he is continuing to tell Abram or Abraham that he is going to be the father of many nations. He wouldn't be repeating himself if Abraham wasn't struggling in this area, Abraham is struggling. So God is continuing to build him up and say, hey, I'm going to do it. Don't worry. But I want you to know, look at this last sentence here. It says, and kings shall come out of thee. Now, it was never God's plan for Israel to have kings. And uh, it was always his plan for them to be uh, governed by judges. And we'll be looking at that when we get over to the book of Judges, actually. But over, I believe, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel goes to Samuel, uh, the, the judge and the high priest, and they say, we want a king to be over us. And Samuel goes to God and he says, God, the people have rejected me from being judge over them. And God says back to Samuel, he says, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. And he says, let them know that they can have a king, but they're going to have the king I will pick for them. And they got a, the king God said that uh, he, he would pick for them. He got the first king was Saul. 
and was not a good man, actually. And the next king was uh, David and then Solomon. And so they they chose to have kings, but God is not didn't want them to have kings. But since they he knew they were going to ask them, he says that kings shall come out of thee. And that's exactly what happened. And that verse 7 says, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. He says, it's going to be an everlasting covenant. It's going to be forever perpetual. When God sets something up, it is done, and it is forever. God does not go back. Don't think God will ever fail you somewhere along the line. If you choose to put your faith in God, he will never fail you. You might fail him. You might walk away from him, but he will never walk away from you. He says, I do not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. He will be your God and be the same God he has always been. The God that we see here in the Old Testament is the same God that we see in the New Testament and the same God that we see today. He has never changed. I know a lot of people want to say that, oh, that God of the Old Testament, he was a much harsher God. No, he's not a harsher God. We are seeing the same God in the Old Testament as we see in the New Testament. We are seeing a God of love and a God of judgment. He is both. And we are seeing him manifest who he is. And don't ever think that God has changed because then you start looking at there being two different gods. But God is the same. We serve one God manifested in three persons. And he has not changed. He's not different. Never think that he has. So he's he's setting up an everlasting forever covenant. He says he wants to be a God to them. He wants them to serve him. And he wants to help his people. And verse 9 says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. So it's not just going to be Abraham that keeps his covenant but it's going to be all the descendants down the road. They're all going to keep this covenant, or at least they're supposed to. We're going to find out as we keep going through the Old Testament here that Israel is not going to always keep the covenant. They're going to struggle with the covenant. They're going to walk away from the covenant, and they're going to come back to the covenant. But God does not walk away from the covenant. He keeps his part of the covenant, and he expects Israel to keep their covenant. And their day is still coming. God has not finished his covenant with Israel. And verse 10 says, now God's getting right down to it. He's going to tell them what the covenant is. Verse 10, this is my covenant, which shall, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Just being God, just being real clear here. It's going to be you and all your descendants. He says, Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. Now, that why did God choose, some people ask, why did God choose circumcision as a sign of the covenant? You know, the, of course there is some foretelling of things that are coming, but we really don't know why God chose um, the, the sign of circumcision as the covenant. Some people will argue, well, it's because it was for health reasons. And, and maybe that's true. Other people today, there's, there's a lot going on. They say there's no 
good reason for circumcision. And you can believe that or what if you want to. Today, we don't have to be circumcised. And we're going to talk about that over when we get into the New Testament. Now, the Judaizers try to keep circumcision going uh, for those that were getting saved, but it is no longer necessary because Jesus came and died on the cross. There's no reason for the circumcision. But and what we look at today, there may be reasons why God, like health reasons, he wanted them to uh, have the sign of circumcision. We don't know for sure. Certainly, we do know that, uh, and we're going to read this in just a moment. I'll just jump ahead. Is that um, Abraham is told on the eighth day after a child is born to circumcise them. And there's no way that Abram or Abraham could have known that because it's the vitamin K that is at full strength on the eighth day so that the child will not bleed to death and will actually clot when they are circumcised. Now, that is just by divine knowledge that God gave that to do on the eighth day. There's no other way. God chose this as the right time to do it, to put the sign of, of the covenant into the pe- children on the eighth day. But do we know fully why God chose this sign of, of circumcision? We, we have things that we can talk about, but we don't know fully why. We just know this, that God chose it. And since God is the God of all creation, God has the right to pick out what sign of the covenant that he chose them to have that would make them different from the rest of the world. It's not up to us to question God. We have to get to a place a place in, in our Christian walk that we stop questioning God. We've got to come to a place where we read it in the Bible and we do it. Because that's the way God wants it to be. I know I ministered to a man, uh, oh man, it had to be almost 30 years ago. And I remember he was just new to the Lord and he was reading the Bible a lot. And he would come across things in the Bible. And he'd say, am I supposed to be doing this? And I said, well, that's what that's what the Bible says. He says, well, I'm going to start doing it. And just about every week we would meet and he would have something new he'd find in the Bible. And he, he wasn't questioning God. He was hungry for God. He wasn't questioning, oh, maybe I don't have to do this. No, he wanted more of God. And God was pouring into his life. Let God pour into your life. He wants you to stop questioning who he is and what he wants. Let him be your God. That's what he wanted to be to Israel. He wanted to be their God. But they kept walking away from him, walking into serving false gods. But he wants us to surrender our lives to him. No matter what he says, follow him and he will be a God to us and he will love us and protect us and guide us. Let's keep moving on here. Verse 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. He's just reiterating what he just said. Verse 12. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man, child, in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of thy seed. And then verse 13, he says, He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. 
So whether they were born there or whether they were bought there, they had to have the sign of the covenant they were going to be there. And he wanted to be a God to, to these people. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant. But look at 14. He says, And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of the foreskin is not circumcised. This would be by someone that chose not to do it. That soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. I'll tell you, I don't want to be a covenant breaker. I, I don't want that at all. I want to be a person that is keeping my covenants with God because when we make a covenant with God, it is perpetual. It is forever. God does not forget it. and He holds us to it. Even if we break it, a covenant is not a contract. A contract can be broken and both sides are just done with it. However, covenants are not like that. When we have a covenant, even though we might break the covenant on our side, God will always uphold his covenant and he will always hold us to the covenant that we broke. And so we got to remember that we have to hold up the, our covenant and God will never give us a covenant that we cannot hold up to. And he will always be there for us and be our God. And uh, verse 15 says, And God said unto Abram, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not her call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. So both Sarai and Sarah, both those names actually mean princess. Uh, Sarah also means princess or noblewoman. And so it's odd. They both mean the same, the same thing, but he changes her. He changed Abraham's name, but he also changed uh, Sarah's name. And if we look at verse 16, it says, And I will bless her. That's Sarah. I will bless her, Sarah, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. God says it again. And she shall be a mother of nations, Kings of people shall be of her. So God goes ahead and defines Sarah's name himself by calling her a mother of nations, similar to Abraham's name, which makes a lot of sense. I like that God has named her himself a mother of nations. And then 17 says, Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said, This tells us right here, this verse tells us, that Abraham was, was struggling with the idea of still being a father of nations in his old age. It says, And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart. And remember, God can look upon the heart of what we are saying inside. He we don't have to say it. God knows. Uh, over in Hebrews it says he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I think that's a, Hebrews 11 and 6 that God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. Even if you don't speak it, he knows what's going on inside our brain. And uh, God is can be very clear about what's going on inside of us. And then, so he says, he fell on his face in the lamp and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? So, um, I don't want to be in this position. I, I think Abraham was having a little bit of trouble with believing they were going to be the the, the father of 
of uh, many nations because he was getting pretty old now and uh, past the, their childbearing ages. But his faith was, was struggling, even though he is called the father of the faithful. That doesn't mean he didn't have struggles in his life. You know, um, a lot of people, uh, they get saved and then they wonder why they still have struggles in their life. You know, uh, just because we get saved doesn't mean all of our problems go away. When we get saved, that is when the real battle comes about. When we are unsaved, Satan doesn't care anything about us because he is holding us in the palm of his hand, in a sense. He's got control of us when we are unsaved. But when we give our heart to the Lord, that is the point that Satan is mad at us and he's going to send his demons to us and try to get us to trip up. That's when the spiritual war really begins. And you know, with, with Abraham, don't think that the enemy wasn't attacking him. I think the enemy was attacking him and telling him, probably thinking, Do you, are you really going to be the father of nations? Has God really said that? Or is it really going to happen? Look, you're already 99 years old. So he was struggling probably with the enemy coming after him. But the enemy does that to us too, but we don't have to put up with it. We are told to bring all our thoughts into captivity. And when we bring all thoughts into captivity, you cast out the bad thoughts in the name of Jesus and you keep the good thoughts. Because there's going to be good thoughts and bad thoughts pass into our mind. But it in Jesus' name, we don't have to surrender to the thoughts of the enemy. He can be cast out and sent away. He has no power over us. He, he has no power to give us any kind of thoughts or anything. He only has power that we give him. People give the enemy way too much power. They, they think, oh, he has power to do this, power to do that. He doesn't have power to do anything that we don't let him do. All we have to do as children of God is call on the name of Jesus and every demon has to flee right then. And Abram, before he fell down on his face laughing, that's what he should have done. He should have called on the name of the Lord. The Lord already told him, I am El Shaddai. I am the mighty, almighty God. All he had to do was call on the Almighty God for help, and he was right there to help him. So look at number 18. And Abraham, Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So we see here that Abraham is going back to Ishmael, because Ishmael's now 13 years old. And so Abraham's probably thinking, Look, I'm too old to have children. I'm just going to bring Ishmael up to God one more time in case God forgot about him, you know, and ask him if maybe Ishmael can be my son of promise. Uh, God hasn't forgotten that he said that Abraham and Sarah were going to bear a child, not Abraham and Hagar were going to bear a child. It was going to be Abraham and Sarah. God did not forget. God has never forgotten, and he will continue to uphold his promise. But we see Abraham trying to help God along a little bit here with Ishmael. And don't we do the same thing in our lives? We try to help God out. We think maybe God isn't going to fulfill his promise 
or take care of us in certain ways and we try to help him along. I'll tell you, we need to start trusting God that he will do what he does. He will do. We need to let God be God. God is almighty. God is El Shaddai. Maybe we need to start remembering that God is the almighty El Shaddai because we forget that he is almighty. He is not governed by the the weaknesses that we have. He has no weaknesses. He's not struggling to do anything or to know anything. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is omnipresent. He is, he is everything to us. If we will just let him be that thing. But we get in here and we try to help God. When God's not asking for our help, he is saying, I want to be a God to you. I don't want you helping me. I want to be a God to you. Let him be a God to us. He will do that for us. Let's see. Let's see. Verse 19. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son. So God immediately answers to uh, Ishmael, I mean to Abraham's uh, statement about Ishmael. And God said, Sarah thy wife. I like how he says, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. So God just is making it very clear. No, you're not having a child by anyone but your wife, Sarah. Now, I know she's 90 years old, but that's where you're going to have your child. And he says, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, named before his birth. And I will establish my covenant with him. For an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God is saying that not only am I establishing my covenant with you, Abraham, but I'm going to keep establishing my covenant with your son and with all his descendants. Because this is an everlasting perpetual covenant that's going to pass down the line. In verse 20, uh, 20 says, And as for Ishmael, and now God's going to tell him, I haven't forgotten Ishmael. I promised to bless Ishmael a while back. And I'm going to remind you what I just said. And I am going to bless Ishmael. He says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. I like how he says that I have heard thee. Uh, he is reminding Abraham that uh, I promised to do this. I heard you before and I heard you this time. I am El Shaddai. And as and as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Isn't that wonderful how God reminds us? He says, as for Ishmael, he hasn't forgotten. God doesn't forget. We get to thinking God has forgotten about our prayer. Well, I prayed. I prayed about that issue uh, six months ago. I guess God hasn't fulfilled it. So maybe he didn't hear me. Or maybe he forgot. You know, God hasn't forgotten anything. He plans on taking care of us. We need to be listening for the answer. Sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. But he is a prayer answering God, that is for sure. And verse 21 says, I, I like how he starts off verse 21 with, with this little uh, conjunction. He says, but 
because he, he just got done saying how well, he's going to bless Ishmael. Now he has a conjunction in here. He says, but the Bible's full of these conjunctions, and we should talk about them more because they're so important. He says, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac. That he's being very clear. I'm blessing Ishmael. I said I would bless him. He says, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac. He is the son of promise. You are still going to have this son. His name is going to be Isaac. And he, and he says, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Yes, I know she's going to be 90 years old. But she's going to have a child. If God said it, it's going to be. I know I've said that a bunch of times in this session. But it's, it's so true. If God says it's going to be so, it's going to be so. And verse 22 says, And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So God's done. He's left now. Remember, he appeared to Abraham. And verse 23 says, And Abraham, Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among them, the uh, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. Notice that Abraham didn't wait a week, a month, or a day, or any time. God said he was to go and circumcise everyone in, in his household. And Abraham went out the selfsame day and did what God told him to do. You know, has God been speaking to you about something and you know it's God? Has God been talking to you? And have you been putting him off? Why are you putting him off? God doesn't want you to put him off. He, If he's speaking to you, answer the call right now. You know, just kneel down and begin to talk to the Lord. Send me an email if you need me to pray for you. I'll, I'll pray for you. God is ready and able to take care of all your needs right now. If you will just go to him, he is here for you. You know, there's an old song I learned uh, almost 60 years ago. And the title is, Why Not Tonight? And the song, what it talks about is, why don't we get right with God today? Uh, why wait another day? You know, we are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the next moment, really. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I want to be right with God today. I want to know. I want that peace of mind to know that I am right with God. And I want that for you also. God is waiting for you to come to him. And he will forgive you of your sins. And let me continue on 24. And Abraham was 90 years old and 9 when he circumcised was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. He did it himself also. In 25, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And 26 says, And the selfsame day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael, his son. And 27 says, And all the men of his house, born in the house and bought with money of the stranger, were circumcised with 
him. He didn't leave anyone out. No one got left behind. Everyone was put under the covenant. And that's what God wants you to come to him. He's waiting for you right now. That brings us to the end of our study today. I will see you tomorrow.